Hello and welcome to the Women in Leadership podcast with me, Angie Mazzetti. Well, I'm delighted to say that the podcast has a new sponsor in IITD, the Irish Institute for Training and Development, which has over 2,000 members working in the coaching, training and development sector in Ireland. The Irish Institute of Training and Development was founded in 1969 and is the non-profit professional body representing members concerned with human resources, training and development. Well, coming up in the podcast today, We'll be focusing on preparing people, especially women, for leadership roles, asking what makes a good leader and getting advice for you, our listeners, on how to shape your career with leadership in mind. We're joined today by two of Ireland's leading authorities when it comes to recruitment and training and getting the most out of your work life. And there are guests, Joyce Walsh and Pam Skerritt. Good morning. Good morning. Lovely to have you here. Well, Joyce is the Head of Leadership and Talent in Ulster Bank and Pam Skerritt is an independent expert in the field of learning and development. You're both very welcome. Well, can I start with you, Joyce? You've been driving cultural change and implementing learning and development strategies in Ulster Bank for a while now. But what does that actually entail? Yeah, I guess the the academy, which we know, which is our learning and development function, sits in HR and we're ultimately responsible for... Um, I suppose all the learning and development interventions across the organisation from cradle to, you know, the most um, senior people in the organisation. So we do induction right through to exec development. Um, And I guess we partner with the business. We're seen as strategic enablers for the business because um, learning and development really needs to be at the table with the business. So we're there to support the business. We're part of the HR function, but ultimately, I guess we're there to support the business to build the capabilities to enable the strategy. That's ultimately what we're there to do. But we do everything from induction and um, leadership development, management development through to executive um, development as well. Um, I suppose the business can't really survive without that function, can it? They can't. And, you know, it, it's, it's one of the things with learning and development it's part of HR and you know it for it to be relevant I think we have to be commercial um, and that's why we have to work really really closely with the business and um, I was only talking to a colleague um, the other day just around we're, we're recruiting at the moment that how important it is for people to have that commercial element as in they understand the business because it's very difficult if you're sitting down with a business and they come to you with a problem that needs to be you know we need to solve it through training it may not necessarily be training so you have to be able to have that conversation to really get to understand what the problem is and it may not be an L&D intervention and I think sometimes learning and development can get a bit of bad rep because we take the orders and we deliver the training and we take the orders and deliver the training and that's not what it's about it's more about facilitation collaboration and strategically enabling the business really and that's what we try to drive and that's where I think culturally learning and development has evolved here we would have been that many years ago but then you get brave and you, you know you 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 get your seat at the table by delivering really good things and that's when you can really challenge and get to the nub of what what the business needs so yeah you were talking about new initiatives there well tell me about being a female lead in the b1 inspire one what is that all about yeah that was um that's one of the things I think you get to do in your career that you know will stay with you for a long time but B1 Inspire One was an external proposition that we had um, it was a partnership with the Irish Times and um, it was based on the idea really that you can be an inspiration as a woman to another woman regardless of your age your sector what you you know what what you worked at and what we did was there was a number of articles in the Irish Times but then there was also always also breakfast events and um, I worked with the, the team who put it together and I would have hosted those events on behalf of, of Ulster Bank. So it was wonderful to hear um, in the, the four breakfast events that um, I, I supported, it's just different women from 
different industry, um, entrepreneurs, people working in business, solicitors, who had just, they were ordinary women doing extraordinary things. And it was just about them telling their story. And I think as a nation, we love an old story and we love to sit down and listen. But I think in doing that, you, you learn so much about people's, you know, determination and being courageous and driven. And I think it resonates with so many people because we always think that if there's somebody in a really senior position or somebody has done really well, you know, they've got some magic ingredient that we don't have. And it's not, we have, we all have that magic ingredient in us. And it's just by hearing those stories. And I think sometimes we think, well, it was easy for them. Absolutely. Yeah. And do and they come up with similar problems? Totally. You know, I think what you you get, I think one of the things, you know, it's around finding your passion. And I think it's, you know, that's what drives people. You know, there's different things, but I think if you're really, you've got that passion and a belief in something that you want to do, that's where, and tenacity, you know, not letting things knock you down. And I think that's where I would have, in any of the events that we were there, um, I would have felt that those women learned so much from the knockbacks and the challenges rather than, and we all know that, that's where you're really, that's where your learning happens. when You you're, build your resilience. Yeah, absolutely. Really, yeah. You know, um, so that was, it, it was a fantastic initiative. We got absolutely great feedback on it and it was just great for me to be there to hear, I think I heard from over 20 different women um, from different industries and different sectors around, you know, how they got to where they were. So Anybody yeah. impress you in particular? You know, there was Jules Fallon, um, who is, um, she works for First Option. She's the um, MD of First Option's model um, agency. And she's a great story um, just in relation to um, as a young child and getting into modeling very young and the challenges that she had, you know, the challenges now that obviously kids have started the junior cert and the leaving cert and, you know, how she really worked her way um, and then how she saw an opportunity within the the industry um, to do something different. Um, and I think for me, she's a great story around, you know, because sometimes we, we, we focus hugely on academia and, you know, people, you know, you know, you've got your leaving cert and then you go to college. I didn't. I, 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 I left. I started working straight after school um, and I worked my way up as well. And there's an element of we don't hear a lot of that nowadays so I think that's what resonated with me was that she's got to where she is Sarah Keane who's the CEO of Swim Ireland and she's the president of the Olympic Council she's a great story she was a a solicitor she's a you know she's a great story but all of them had all of them had fantastic stories but um you will always kind of resonate with one who kind of has a similar yeah and did you start in the bank yep I started out of school you're a lifer um, yeah, you know, disclosure, I'm a banker um, by profession, um, but I would have played sport at quite a high level and I came to Dublin to basically, I wanted to play sport full time and the banks were supporting that. Um, so yeah, I never I never had a pull to go to college, I just wanted to, to go and work and it worked for me, it worked for me, so yeah. Fantastic, good story. Pam, you've been a practitioner in learning and development for many years and I know you have a particular, we were talking about voluntary sector in sports and stuff as well, but you have a particular interest in the voluntary sector and you started out uh, with your own training company, Heartbeat Safety, uh, that you ran with your late husband. Was continuous learning and development always part of your life uh, and in the voluntary sector, is it important? It is indeed. What I'll say is within the company that we set up, myself and Garrett set up in 1993, at the time the industry we were working in was going through a vast change in relation to learning and development and the understanding of health and safety within all organisations. And at that time, we felt that the only way we could progress personally was to use learning um, as a way to 
push ourselves forward or as a point to actually start that company. So at the time, we were very lucky. We engaged with some of the senior um, agencies out there. So the likes of QQI, which was formerly FITAC, in relation to construction of programmes or development of programmes in the areas of learning and development for educators in the areas of health and safety. So we use those to push the learning development within our own organisation. Is it an uphill job getting people to engage with learning and, and change? Or do, do people like Hugely. to learn new type? No, not, not in the field of expertise I was in at the time. I am now, I've progressed out there, but at the time, no. Within health and safety, the old mindset was there. Sure, we've been doing this for a long period of time. Why do we need to change? We know Why what we're do we doing. Need, we know what we're doing. Why do we have to improve? Why do we have to engage with other statutory agencies? So why can't we just continue as we are? So the buy-in from the industry at the time was very, very Paper. Now, we now have other legislative changes that have happened that have pushed that forward. But at the time, in the early 90s, into the early 2000s, no, it wasn't working. Wow. Uh, Joyce, we've been hearing great things about the success of the Ulster Bank Academy over the last eight years. What is the Academy and uh, what do people learn in the Academy? Okay, so it's our it's our learning and development function. So we have, we at the start, we would have had, say, 26 people working in the academy. It's down to about nine now. So again, we look after everything from learning, anything that's required from a learning and development perspective in the organisation. Um, so any training, any workshop training, facilitation, webinars. Um, we also look at... Um, we do a lot around communication and we, we're trying to, I suppose, change the culture with regard to learning and development because there's always that that challenge around time for people. You'll find uh, the challenges around, you know, I don't have the time. So we do, we have a programme at the moment running called Time to Learn and it's just giving people time every week and we try and send out resources. So it's all around giving people the tools to enable them to learn. And whether that's going to a workshop, listening to a webinar, reading an article, or doing a professional qualification. So we have New Horizons as our sponsored education uh, initiative, and that is where we do a lot of um, qualifications through the Institute of Banking. But we're starting to expand that now, and we're looking at things like digital and data and agile and innovation, because that's where that's where the world of work is going. So it's very important for us that we're evolving with what's happening in the external world as well. Um, so yeah, that's, it's the, it's, I suppose it's the team that looks after um, everything to do with learning and development and talent as well. And I presume that's really good for business, is it? It is, it is, you know, and it, it yeah. is, and you know, it, but it's, it's the thing that can get, it's the thing that can get impacted when there's restructures, when there's cost challenges, which there is in, in um, our, our sector at the moment. Um, but we've been fortunate that we have remained and the business have seen us as a value add that remains. Yes, we're smaller, we're more agile. We have to think a little bit more creatively. Budgets have, have been reduced over the years. But um, rather than thinking about what you can't do, it's about thinking about what you can do differently. And so it's a positive mindset. Oh, totally. Yeah. It has and to do be. people think sometimes, well, I'm too busy, as you were saying there, I'm too busy to have time out to learn. And do they benefit when they do actually step back and give themselves that little bit of time to learn? Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, it's not only, you know, everybody, you, it's the line managers that are key here, that they're, they're, it's part of, it becomes part of the operating rhythm for people that you're asking the question either at one-to-ones or mid-year reviews, you know, have you learned? Um, because I think we will all, we will all, we don't make time for it. I don't think we prioritise the time for it. And that's what's important because I think it's that, you know, before you come to training, it's thinking about why am I going there? What do I need to get out of it? Then you go to the training and then when you go back, somebody needs to say to you, okay, this was the objective. Have you, what are you going to do differently now? 
as a result. So it's it's kind of it's a real holistic approach. Um, but I think that's why we started the Time to Learn campaign was because we did a survey last year and people said, yeah, it's great, but I just don't have the time. So that's why we called it Time to Learn and just trying to get it out there and embed it in the culture and in our communications so people are taking the time. I suppose people have it, you know, we all have busy lives. We've children elderly parents there's yeah. so many pulls and our sports people like to, yeah. to run to walk and get involved in their communities so we are all you know juggling things in our minds and i suppose that's the, the problem it is face, and i it? just this year myself i did a level seven qualification with the institute around culture and conduct um out of the back of the review that was done on the banks and I was struggling because I'm not a great, I'm not great at applying myself. But what was brilliant was the different methods. So you can read, you can watch videos. I was out for my walk. I had the podcast on. I was driving in the car. I had it on. So it was every, you were kind of using every element for the information to hopefully sink in. Um, so that's what's really different. That's, that's, and I think that it's about letting people know you can find a medium for learning that will work for you, whether it's to watch somebody, listen to somebody, go to a lecture, whatever. And so, of course, we all learn in different ways. Absolutely, everybody's are, a different yeah. learning style. And I think it evolves as well with you and the work you're doing and, you know, as you get older. Um, I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't ever think I was an auditory learner, but that's where I did most of my studying for this was actually listening rather That's than doing love podcasts. Yes, there you go. Because <laughs> you can make the dinner and you can still listen to a podcast. You can go for a walk, as you were saying. Pam, the health and safety sector is always improving and developing new ways. Uh, I mean, medicine is always treating people in new ways and developing new, new treatment techniques. So there must be a, a continual need to upskill for people working in the health centre, which I know is your area of speciality, uh, and the emergency services, life and death situations. So what's happening in that area of health and safety training? Well, what I would say, first of all, within the medical fields in particular, there's always been a need to upskill and look at continuing professional development and keep up with your practice. Within the emergency care sector, though, there's a huge upheaval happening, particularly in the last 12 to 18 months. So we have a new remit under the Pre-Hospital Emergency Care Council, where all practitioners and responders in those fields have to recertify or upskill on a yearly or biannual basis. So the change it in has to be certified as well. has to be certified. Wow. So the change in that for practitioners has been absolutely immense. You have found people who received qualifications in the late 80s and 90s suddenly have to return to learning and development or, or education and retrain or reskill, and they themselves are finding it very difficult because they're actually finding it challenging in the environment now. In the environment they were in at the time, it was a textbook. It was engaging with a one-to-one -one peer. It was engaging with a lecture-style environment. You were given the information, you absorbed the information, and then you regurgitated the information into to a document. Now, as you said, Joyce, you have to engage more with technology. It is podcasting, it's auditory, it's engaging with skills practice, it's being out in the field and becoming a reflective practitioner, with a lot of them are struggling with because the whole area of having to keep um, a journal or a reflective piece and return that, they're struggling with those areas because the academic writing probably isn't behind it, because they haven't had to engage with statutory agents and have these visualised and marked or scored in any way so I find at the moment there's a lot of changes happening in the emergency care field in the health and safety fields in the past 15 years in particular you will have seen a lot of changes because the health and safety authority themselves have changed a lot of legislation which means as a practitioner in the field you have to keep your skills changing on a yearly basis and yet I know the the PHECC the pre-hospital emergency right. care council yeah. <laughs> they were one of the first to adopt tablets you know going in the ambulances that's right um, you know updating the 
patient statuses as they were driving the patient to the hospital. So it was all there ready for it the was, doctors. It was, but what you have to remember is they are really in their infancies themselves. FEC as an organisation, PHECC, is only there since 2002-2003. So they're only 15-16 years in operation. And although they're adopting all these new technologies, what they have forgotten is the practitioner who has to use the technologies have been there for 20 to 30 years previous. So it's the challenge they have is to actually get people to engage them and work with these materials. And that's where we're finding, particularly in the voluntary sector at the moment, we're finding that volunteers would have been in those areas for 20 to 30 years. And you're challenging somebody in their late 60s, early 70s to use a digital format, which they wouldn't even engage with on a social aspect or at home. Yeah, although I presume some of them would say, well, they're bringing soft skills that maybe the younger people don't have. Definitely. They bring the soft skills, they bring the communication, they bring the engagement, they bring the passion, they bring the whole empowerment of the youth sector. Um, They bring all those areas to the newcomers to the industry, but what they're struggling with is actually engaging with the resources to bring that across to them. Joyce, I'm going to turn to you now. Um, tell us a little bit about your own career. Now, you mentioned a little bit about, mm-hmm. you know, your... Self-disclosure, uh, I'm a banker. <laughs> <laughs> but also that you're into sports, uh, yes. which is always a great sign of leadership, I think, uh-huh. having been someone who never was into sports. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> you've obviously never been someone who sat in a silo and just wanted to be left alone to do your work because you've come up with some really innovative things. Do you think it's important for people, and especially for women, uh, to get out of their comfort zones, you know, to stretch themselves a little bit in the workplace? I do, absolutely do. Um, my, my own career, as I said, I was a banker. I started literally a year after school in Bank of Ireland. For, was there for 14 years, was in retail, worked my way up, and then I came over to Ulster Bank in 2003 um, and started in retail again. And then just through opportunities, I guess, I ended up um, uh, in running, I suppose, what was the retail academy, and then it was amalgamated and I ended up in HR. Um, I do think, you know, they say the magic happens outside of your comfort zone. Um, and it's a difficult place to go to at times, but I absolutely think we need to go there, um, particularly for, for women. And I think for, for people in general, you need to stretch yourself. Um, they say, you know, I, I guess happiness comes from what you do and fulfillment comes from why you do it. And I think that's when I talk about the passion and, and, and tapping into yourself. I think my sport, um, I'm competitive by nature. Badminton was my sport. and. Um, I think there's that element for me around um, always wanting to be the best that I could be and looking for opportunities that sometimes when things, when difficult things happened, an opportunity presented itself. And I think that's where I um, took those opportunities that people probably looked at me at the time and thought she's mad. Um, Particularly at a time in retail, I went for a regional manager role. I didn't get it. And then I was asked, would I be interested in doing a role in another part of the business? But it meant I kind of had to move to Belfast. Now, I was married and we didn't have we didn't have any children. And I thought, OK, look, I can go get the train up on a Sunday night. And I can go back on a Thursday night. Um, and it worked. And that sideways move um, opened up so many doors. Um, so I do think we need to stretch outside our comfort zones and we need to look for opportunities. Um, I talk to women every week with in in relation to that I was just talking to somebody this morning um about something and I said look you can absolutely do that job um but it's just it's finding that confidence um and it's parking the fear it's feeling the fear and just moving on um I love that I mean I've never read the book but I love the title feel Feel the the fear fear. oh it's a great book yeah it's really good I read it years ago now but like I think it's 
feel the fear and do it anyway you're going to come across every day it's not something that's going to come across you like oh this four times in my life it's it's every day because that imposter syndrome sets in um you know i think it's really interesting what you're saying though that you didn't get the job but it still pushed you in a different way yeah and i've heard that from other people claire dignan who used to have a senior role in rte yes she said that when people would come before her for an interview for a senior role or even a mid-level role she would say well they're not suitable for this but mm. you know having seen them, that they might work somewhere else. And sometimes just putting yourself out there, you might get the job you want, but you could be put like you were into and that's, and, and, a more And I think you role. prepare yourself to either get your CV ready, then you get called to interview. Um, and so many times, you know, it's particularly now when I look at talent in the organisation, you know, you're, you're trying to get a picture of people and the more people that apply for roles um, and put themselves out, they become known. And I think that's the huge thing as well. Um, Is networking a really important part of that too? Now, I'm not a fan of networking, okay, Um, because I think networking automatically for me is I'm walking into a room and I'm having to try and, you know, infiltrate groups. I think connected, being connected is really important. And um, I have, and, and, and I think it's about that connected network that you have in your organization, also external to your organization. We've developed critical people capabilities for the future, and one of them is connected. And it's all around that, you know, enterprise mindset that you're not just thinking about the role that you're in and the department that you're in. It's about the people that you know in your organisation um, and also people outside your organisation. Because I think a lot of women, when they hear about networking, are, are quite reticent and they don't, they're not comfortable. And I have just, I've just flashbacks to networking courses that we would have run years ago and it felt like a very, I don't, it felt it's a like bit forced or something. And it, it feels very, um, masculine is the wrong word, but it just, it is kind of, it's forceful and it's, you know, whereas connected for me is being about being interested and it's about expanding your, your thinking and your thought process, um, with regard to, you know, the role that you're in, but also maybe your next role and that role may be in the organization or be external to the organization. So I think, having that so when you kind of do a little I suppose a map with yourself in the middle and you have a look at all your different connections what does that look like and how does Pam connect to Sinead that connects to Joe that now connects to you and that you have all of a sudden you've got a much wider kind of a a, a map of, cool, of yeah. connections and I suppose uh, networking you know that what you're saying that forced such situation to go in and give your card to yes. somebody to take someone else it suits some people it absolutely does but it doesn't suit people who are shy who may be very talented it's like we were saying we yeah. all learn in different ways we all have talents but they may not be always and you, you need a, a pick a mix of different types of people I presume do you? you do you absolutely do and you know there is and I it's not a, it's not knocking networking in any way because it absolutely works for people and some people are phenomenal at it but I think if you haven't got you know it's about like it's about playing to your strengths as well like if you're going to try and be an amazing networker but it's not something that you're naturally good at you're always going to struggle at it and what strengths are going to be impacted by you trying to be a good networker whereas I find connected is just about being interested in people um, and just using your personality to connect with other people. Do you think employers and we know the banks have had a hard time over the last few years particularly you know being remember that line from um, Christine Lagarde you know if Lehman Brothers had been Lehman Brothers and Sisters we might not have had the uh, financial crisis is there a move to get more women up through the pipeline in banks oh, generally? Yeah, absolutely. And do you think it's good for banking? 
I think it's good for society. Um, I think it's um, it's something that I'm very passionate about. I chair the um, Ulster Bank Women's Network here, um, and I'm also represent Ulster Bank on the 30% Club, which is was set up for that reason to get representation at boards and executive committees from for with women. Um, I think diversity. Gender diversity, but any type of diversity, brings diversity of thought, diversity of perspective. Um, and I think, you know, lessons learned from the financial crisis, yes, if there was more women around the table, we would have had, it would have been different. Um, I think women... You would have had a voice saying, hold on this." Yeah, I think, yeah, and I think, you know, they're more risk averse, you know, they're, they're more collaborative. Um, they think differently. So I think from a banking perspective, particularly here in Ulster Bank, like we have targets around 30% on our board, 30% on our executive committee. And we that's one of my role, part of my role is making sure that we have a pipeline of female talent coming through. Um, but it will ultimately be the right person for the right job. Of course, but, yeah. you know, Christine Lagarde would say the same as well, that she wouldn't necessarily agree with targets and quotas. But research has shown that companies that don't have targets or quotas, nothing happens. And the pace for equality is glacial as it is. So we all have to do something. Um, and for me, I don't know why we're not just aiming for 50% rather than 30%, but we have to start somewhere. And I think the lessons that we're learning in relation to, and you can't, you can't force women into these positions either. They have to want it. Um, and they have to see that there's opportunity there and that it's the right thing. But I think for banking, absolutely, but for society in general, and for particularly the generation coming behind us, the young girls, that they see these opportunities and they see that it's, it's a good thing. You can't be what you cannot see. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And of course, that they have the balance for better. This balance for better. There's me too. There's you know you can't if you can't see it, you can't be it, mm. and that's that's um, that's phenomenal, really. I'm going to ask you both what do you think makes a good leader, and particularly a good woman leader. Pam, what would you say? I would always have fi- five words that I would use when you talk about leadership. So, and I wrote them down particularly to bring what we say. So, trust, value, affirmation, guidance, and support. So, within being a leader, you have to demonstrate all these skills to both your that you are capable of actually working them yourself, but also demonstrate them into your team that they can use some trust in the people that you have working with you. They're part of a community of practice, so it's believing in each other. So that trust there can be a bit hard for some people. It can be, and sometimes it's hard to actually let go give that rein away and let people, somebody else guide you. But within leadership, it's actually taking that from other people. It's taking their guidance, their support, what they can say about a topic and bringing that into you as a leader. I'm actually affirming you as a leader and assuring that you're moving forward. The value of it, valuing everybody on a team, ensuring that everybody feels that they're, they're supposed to be there, they're supposed to be part of this team, that all opinions matter, be it that they're pliable opinions or not pliable opinions, but we always have to value them. The whole area about affirmation, affirmation of people in general. We tend in Irish society not to do that. We don't affirm people for anything that they do. We tend to look at, there's the gap in the person. Whereas say, well, actually, that's a gap that we can develop, we can nurture. And actually, there's something we can use with that to look at the rest of the team. The whole area of guidance and support from a leadership point of view, that's what we're there for. We're not there to lead from the front. We're there to, to guide and support and move the process along. Where we so nurture talent. And nurture talent. So I just find that if I keep those in mind all the time, that any teams I'm working with tend to progress very well. Okay, Joyce, what would you say makes a good leader? 
I have a long list, I know. Um, I think somebody who's visionary for me is, is important. And, and I think different people will want different things from a leader. Um, I, I love somebody who can articulate a vision um, and who's passionate about the vision and can bring people with them. That's a real thing for me. Um, courageous leaders are important for me as well. And I think somebody who's courageous and has humility. And humility for me is somebody who doesn't, as a leader, doesn't know everything. And they're not frightened to say, I don't know everything. What's your view? Um, integrity for me is is huge um that you know they they mean what they say and you know they they know the way they go the way and they show the way that it's not this is this is you know it's my way or the highway that they bring you with them i think is a huge thing and i think you know it's all wrapped for me in emotional intelligence i think emotional intelligence in a leader like you know we can talk about um we can talk about how people do things and intrinsically, then that links back to why they do it. So what are their drivers? What are their motivators? But it's all wrapped then in the whole emotional intelligence piece. And I think the way the world is evolving, the way the new generations are coming forward, they're not going to look for this in a leader. They're going to demand it in a leader. So that emotional intelligence, that awareness, that self-awareness is going to be key, going to be crucial. And they say women are particularly good at emotional yeah, intelligence. Yeah, you know, and when you look at everything been automated and we're talking about robotics and AI and um, one of the things that's going to be in vast short supply is empathy and emotional intelligence into the future so it's really important that we're nurturing this in the generation that's coming behind us and that they know how important it is you know because there's research now around you know they're saying they're talking about the inclusive leader what does this mean like so what does a new inclusive leader means and that's all around the whole diversity area but it's all and then there's also you know they're saying humility and humanity is coming back humanity is coming back hugely into leadership because in the past it was very much around power and commanding but now it's more around collaboration and you know are you a human leader and that's for me linking back to that whole emotional intelligence piece so now, I know you've both been award winners at the IITD Awards. Can you tell me about the awards and the category that you were awarded? Maybe I'll start with you, Joyce. What did it mean to you to get that recognition? Okay. Um, so this year I was awarded um, the Outstanding Contribution to Learning and Development. So, um, and Pam, the lovely Pam, was um, also in the category. So um, it was an honour for me to be, to be shortlisted. Um, and somebody, obviously, of the calibre of Pam, who's got a very different background, but has been, you know all her life in L&D. I think for me, um, it was just a recognition of the work that I do. And I think that's something that's really important to me. Um, and I have been in L&D now for nine years. And I always say I'm still settling into HR because it's, it's very different when you're from the business and you're very much driven by the bottom line and that you're in a role that's, that's more supportive. Um, but I've loved it and, you know, I love what I do um, and I think it can make a real um, impact in organisations. I always feel I kind of grew up in Ulsterbank and I really got the opportunities to become the person that I am today and to have that recognition for the work that I did. Um, it was, I said it on the night, it was a career defining moment for me and something that I will always cherish um, and to have it. But I wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for the team and the people that I work with and the organisation values, learning and development. So, yeah. So reflect on them as well as oh, you. Oh, totally, totally. I couldn't, I wouldn't have been there without, um, if I didn't have the calibre of people that I work with and that the organisation does value what we do as well. And well, they, I suppose the organisation values it even more when it's recognised externally. 
Yes, and I think that's that's the thing for me because that night, that room, you know, you're in a room full of, you know, there's 500 people in the room and it's it's across every industry and there's some phenomenal things been done from a learning and development perspective. I really think learning and development is the jewel in the crown of HR, but it doesn't always get that recognition. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it was a... It was a very proud moment. Pam, tell me about winning the award. Tell me what you won the award for. I was very in a very lucky position. We won a couple of awards for Heartbeat Safety. Um, one was the small to medium enterprise. So we were actually the first health and safety training provider to win within the IHD in the field of that, in that uh, practice. What I will say, though, the biggest award that we won and the one that I most cherish is the one that we won for the consultancy partnership that we undertook with Irish Thoroughbreds Breeding Association. We wrote, developed and designed... As in horses. As in horses. Yeah. We developed their internal learning and development mechanism for all their mem- members. So what we created was their yearly plan in relation to all the health and safety guidance that's needed within all stunt firms within Ireland. So it was a very collaborative process that we went through. We worked with all the state agencies at the time. We worked with all their membership and we worked with the Irish Thoroughbred Breeze Association at the time as well. And I found that for me was the biggest learning curve I've ever had in training and development or learning and development because it challenged me as well. So I think for me, it's the award I most treasure at the moment. Can I ask both of you about your advice, maybe as we're coming towards the end of the podcast, your five essential pieces of advice to people uh, who'd like to make progress in their careers. Joyce, you first, what would your top five tips be? Okay, first one I'd say is back yourself. And that's about confidence. And it's just about knowing that, you know, there will always be knockers, but back yourself. That's really, really important, because if you don't back yourself, how can you uh, convince somebody else? Um, look for opportunities. So open your mind to opportunities. As I said earlier, when I didn't get that role, um, I was really disappointed. So sometimes those opportunities are a sideways move um, that may not seem like the best opportunity for you. But I, I, you know, I think when you talk to people, you know, if you look for those opportunities, um, the third one for me is be interested. And I think it's not about being interesting, but it's about being interested in, in people. And I think being interested in people and things will help you find your passion and it will also help you to develop that connected uh, pool that I spoke about. I think you need to be really um, aware of your brand. Um, I'm very, you know, Sinead um, in the IATD would often say, how's brand Joyce going? Um, and it's important that's, that's something that you have control over, um, how you are perceived um, and you have total control over that. So I think your brand is really, really important to you and what you stand for. It's like when you talk about Coke or Nike, what do they stand for? What do you stand for? Um, and the final bit I'd say is find your passion. Um, try and find your passion in what you do. You may not find it in your work nine to five, but there may be opportunities in the workplace for you to get involved, like I am in the Ulster Bank Women's Network and things like that. So that brings an element of passion to your work. I really like what you're saying there about, uh, uh, you know, being uh, aware of your brand. Mm. I remember talking to Catherine Kyo, who used to work with Alltech, and she said, you don't need to be liked, but you do need to be, be respected. respected. Absolutely. That's huge. It's huge. Particularly for women. <laughs> And I remember, I remember a, a, a HR manager said to me years ago, we were going through a really difficult time and he was challenging me on something and he said, do you want to be liked or do you want to be respected? And, you know, it does make you stop and think. Um, and women, 
in particular need to be very aware of that. Pamela, what would what would your top five tips be? I have to say, not surprisingly, mine would be quite aligned to what yeah. you're saying, all right? In relation to the first one would be challenge yourself, okay. not to have that fear to challenge yourself, to put yourself in positions where you know you're going to be tested, but that you have a proving mechanism that you're actually going to prove your worth to people. The second one I'd say is view everything you do as a learning context. It's a learning curve. Every challenge we face, every engagement we have, it's something, there is something we can take from it, there's something we can learn from it, and there's something we can build on. The third one is never doubt your abilities. Never doubt yourself. Because really, you're in the role you're in because you've made the effort to get there. You have proven yourself in the previous instance, so now you just need to prove yourself at that time to prove yourself going forward. Link with your peers, work with people of the similar mindset, work with people who understand what you're trying to achieve, how you're trying to move forward and link with them on a regular basis. And the last one is positive affirmation of yourself. Pat yourself on the back on a regular basis. I've made it, I've done it and I'm improving as I go along. Uh, before we finish up, can I ask you, Joyce, what's your go to song? You know, something you play to yourself, press play when you want to get up and get moving in the morning. Is there a go to song that you might have? Um... Yeah, I suppose Queen Don't Stop Me Now would be one that um, if I'm kind of, if I hear it, it gives me a bit of a shot of adrenaline or if I'm out running, okay, let's not, I don't run, I kind of walk. Um, but if I hear that, it, 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 it keeps me going. So yeah, that's something that I can, uh, I, I, I can resonate with the words and I think because it's upbeat. Um, can I give us a quick bar of it now? No. <laughs> Let's, you want to keep your listeners. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Pam? What's your go-to song and why? My song would be quite a new song. It would be Shine from Take That. Oh, look. And the... the oh, wow. Oh, my nose. <laughs> I got shine and the well. reason it would be Shine is the wording of Shine. You're stuck yeah. in a hole and you want to get yeah. out. And the whole point is that we have the ability to pull ourselves out of any dark face that we're in and move ourselves forward. It's a personal one for myself, though, because it's a family song with our children. And it's something we always worked with our children was that you shine. So no matter what you're going through in life, you shine. You make people feel you in the room. And I have to say, it's a, something I live by on a daily basis. Oh, that's lovely. Listen, I'd love to thank you both so much for being inspirational and for giving us plenty of food for thought, as well as a few tunes to, to hum today. Our thanks to to our sponsor of the podcast IITD the Irish Institute for Training and Development doing great work a great place to go to for advice or to get in touch with a practitioner or if you want to get a training scheme up and running in your own organisation or business you can check out the website www.iitd.ie or you can follow them on Twitter and Facebook well that's all from the Women in Leadership podcast for this episode our thanks to our new sponsors IITD and of course our guests Joyce Walsh from Ulster Bank and Pam Skerritt our own website is womeninleadership.ie and remember you can always email us at info at womeninleadership.ie or contact us via the website. You can also follow us on LinkedIn and SoundCloud at Blueberry. Do get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Until the next time, goodbye and take care. <laughs> <laughs>